it's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 67, recorded at an unknown date and an unknown location. Will they ever return? This marks the final episode of the second season of Splunk Talk. We've got User Conference 2012 coming up, a brand new season after that. Let's do this, Splunk Talk. I gotta have more cowbell. Hey Maverick, how are you doing today? Hey, how's it going? Another exciting episode of Splunk Talk. Uh, where are you? Who are you and where are you? Who, who am I and where am I? It's I such am. a loaded question, I understand, but try uh, to keep it to at least 14 minutes. Uh, let's see. I am a, a principal SE here at Splunk, and I am uh, in 2012. Do you have a name? Oh, you're. A, oh, yeah. Maverick is my name. I'm in Dallas, Texas. That's awesome. And like, really, who are you? Are you existentialist? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many answers to that. <laughs> you're right. As I said, it was a very loaded question. And well, the, well, yeah. What do you think the answers are? Maybe I'll ask you that. Um. I cannot I cannot disclose this information at this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, who are you? Maybe you can start with telling everybody who you are. Uh, me, Michael Wild. I'm out of Austin, Texas, home of the Longhorns. Although, hook them horns. You know, you never know. There could be some um, Texas A&M people on here that aren't the biggest fans of Longhorns. You know what? We love you all. Regardless, but, yeah. Regardless. I've only been in Austin for a couple of years. Uh, some people call me the Splunk Ninja. So that's one of the things I do. I work here at Splunk and Splunk all day long, including the podcast. We actually do, for those of you who don't know, we actually do Splunk, the podcast analytics. And we can tell where you are, what you listen to, and which ones you like, which is great. So, so yeah, so basically we're our, we use our own products, basically. Even if you don't email us, but we really like it when you do email us. We've gotten some some good feedback lately on uh, from that's a, right from a that's user. Right. Which one? Yeah, was we're, it? yeah, we're not just getting questions. No, now. I'm gonna we give them. Actually, we actually get feedback and praise and all kinds of other and, and insults and you know all the stuff now. So Michael Hartford. Our buddy, our thank buddy. you for uh, liking Splunk Talk. Yes, thank you. He did say shout, he's going to send us a bone to pass around the office. If you, if it could, hopefully not be like from a chicken that you ate would be good. Yeah. Um, but anyways, and please you. no human bones either. That's not allowed. And That's you know illegal, what, Maverick, actually. That's illegal. I got to sit down and you know maybe <laughs> maybe the graphics department of Splunk Talk. Could think about a cool T-shirt design because I think we should have our own T-shirts. I think for Splunk Talk, yeah, that's a good I idea. Think so I mean, I have uh, I have ones I designed for Splunk Ninja that people can buy, uh, which I make no money at. But right, you know, um, we'll see if we can get that done and maybe put it on the Splunk store online. Which are I'm sure I'm sure people would, would wear them if they if they got it for free. I'm sure they would. Oh uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Also. If you're if you like Splunk, if you're a Splunk user, you can always email us and we'll send you Splunk T-shirts. But sometimes people want other Splunk apparel, and if you go to co-co-store, like co-store slash Splunk, the whole like line of mugs and backpacks and all this stuff is out there. If you feel like buying that stuff, like we don't really care if you do, but you know, I mean. 
I uh, yeah, sometimes I like to wear things that I'm associated with, you know, like not Splunk t-shirts, but like maybe an Apple t-shirt. And I can't yeah. go and buy one. Or, you know, like a sun. I used to wear my, my sure. sun, sun shirt because exactly. I just like, I like the logo and it was a nice beige color polo kind of thing and it felt good. No, and- like I had it. I purchased a Techniques shirt a number of years ago from Te- uh, Guitar Center. Techniques, oh. Yes, techniques. as in the, you know, famous maker of the best turntables that exist. That's right. You know, so I rocked that because at the time it was something that was really into. So there you go. That's, um, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. It's just, you um, know, how you roll. Now, now, do we have questions this week uh, we're going to go over or are we going to well, just, or I, how, what's the format this time? I mean, usually, good question. Usually we have questions and answers. If you do have questions, send them to Splunk Talk at Splunk.com. You know, you can also check us out on Facebook, right? That's right. We have a URL now. Facebook.com slash Splunk Talk in lowercase. You can post stuff on there. You can listen to the podcast there. Today, I think we're just going to do a chat uh, because my African and I have a couple interesting things that we'd like to talk to each other about, and you might learn some stuff from it, depending on your level of Splunkiness. Splunk Talk. All right, Maverick, you, before we got on this podcast today, you were telling me about something related to Windows, event log, security, and transactions. Let's get into it. What do you got? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so is this kind of, actually, it's kind of the symptoms is very similar to a previous podcast that we had where you, I think you dealt with an issue like this, and you were describing on that podcast in the past how you how you kind of handled it. This, this was kind of related, but uh, this, the the result or the symptom was the same, but the uh, the solution was different because of you know the conditions involved. So I think I thought it was worthy to kind of bring it up and then we can talk about it. So so in this case, what was happening is we uh, if you remember the previously remember how you talked about I, I forget who you were working with, but um, you kind of experienced that whole transaction command giving you like the result was like one big huge transaction with like all of the different fields, multi-valued fields all in one big thing. And really you were expecting the transaction command to break it off into the separate, you know, groupings like it's supposed to do, the different traces. Right. So this probably just went over the head of everybody who hasn't dealt with transactions. So back up a second. Okay. What are your data sources, Maverick? Oh, okay. That's that's a good idea to talk about that. So it was a Windows security events, which I believe is the same for you. And then some other secure, some other kinds of like a syslogging type events, net, maybe NetFlow events or something. But but for the purposes of this discussion, let's just keep it to Windows security. And user was and what was user trying to do? User. The user was yeah, the user was trying to group together, use the transaction command to group together the uh, account name field value. So the account name field being like if it was a log on event, the log off event, they wanted to find all the log on log offs together. And you know, if I'm J, it, you know. Maverick Garner, M Garner's in there or whatever, or Maverick is my name, then it would be account name equals Maverick. And then the transaction would group on the account name if I say transaction space account name. So maybe you could, uh, let's say, get all of uh, every... So so in that case, you might 
end up with seeing every user's activity for the day kind of separately. So what has Wild been doing? What has Maverick been doing? And uh, if uh, I can figure that out, maybe I can then ask the logs the, or something else. And the account else, name is just basically a multi-valued right? field that has yeah, yeah, every you can, user, then you can, you know, user in there. You can alias all some fields that are like together and normalize things. Keep going, like we talked about. Right. Like some of our documentation, it talks about the techniques and you can go and Splunk Answers also. That's correct. It was all together. So you got these security event logs you pipe into the transaction account name and then what happens then 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 it, either there nothing shows up not what's supposed yeah exactly not what, <laughs> not what you want to happen but what yeah, actually does happen yeah, yeah he's like not, not what i expect but right. either nothing shows up or everything in the security event for the time range i have shows up as one big huge pile of events why did do that well, it was. It's very similar to kind of, kind of the symptom that I think that you might have been seeing before. Possibly is that, um, it, you know, it took a while to debug, but we finally figured out that um, that the Windows events, in this case, uh, were actually recording the uh, and including the account name twice in the same event. But not and the account name. Uh, not it. Are you, so you're saying it has your account name Maverick listed twice or does it have two different account names in the same event? Uh, it, yeah, exactly. It has two different ones. Oh. And, and, and the one that I want, which would be like my name or your name, was the second one. And guess what the first one was? I don't know, maybe something related to the account that was calling the login service, perhaps. Ah, ah. yeah, that's what you would think. But in this case, it was unexpectedly incorrect. For the, the Even the, um, the customer I was working with didn't know that this was happening. It was actually putting a dash or making it a null in the first so one. Maybe it was just null. It was just something other something. than your name, right? That's, that's correct. So uh -huh. then transaction then groups on that or doesn't know how to handle it or whatever, you know, because it gets confused or whatever. I think it just defaults to the Well, to the so first. what you're saying is um, it because every single event in the security event log happened to have that one account name field that was a dash in it, it yeah. that's probably why it glommed them all together. So That's correct, yeah. The did you default. guys end up figuring out a way to somehow detach it or, or what'd you do? Oh yeah, totally. We had we totally had to kind of think that think it through. Like, okay, so we wanted to get the second one. So we knew that since that was a the account name was a multi-valued field in that respect, right? It meaning in the that, original event, correct? Right, right. A multi-valued field meaning a field that's extracted that has more than one value within the same event. Right. So since the account name was had had that situation going on here, we simply used an eval command and then piped to MV indexed and say, give me the second one, which would be the, f uh, since it's zero based, zero would be the first one and the f one, number one would be the second one. So we said, give me MV index one on that guy and then put it in a field. Now that oh, word, make a new field. Yeah. We just I'd evaled a new field okay. called, called account name two or something like that. And then just put account name, index it into the second one and get it. And it totally worked, but only for the ones that were from that particular Windows OS that was doing that. Because there was other, here's the, here's the other piece of it that we found out, <laughs> or the I found out. There was other Windows events that were being included that were from other Windows OSs that did not have this characteristic of putting it two different account names, it would just put it in the first one. So right, then like, it made th those went away then all of a sudden. I've yeah. seen that because Windows 2008 domains and 2003 domains have different authentication 
mechanisms, like mixed mode okay. versus 2008 only. And the Windows security events actually are quite different looking uh, okay. on those different two OSs. And, That's uh, interesting. I, I wasn't sure. I just I just knew that because I was we were looking at them as a holistically they were different. We just discovered that. So so then we had to figure out then also how to pipe to after that to an if like an eval with an if if statement to say if it's equal to null, use the second one. If not, use the first one. And then it totally rock and roll and got everything and it was just beautiful how we were able to glom it together and put the net flow in there and count up how many bytes that people were taking up and the resources they were taking up when they logged on and logged off. It was, it was great. But I thought that was a, yeah, that was so, a cool, interesting. Wow, that's interesting. It's, you know, and if, if you go, if, you know, if you're listening, you go look at a Windows security event in the, uh, in Splunk, you'll see this really nice structure, the whole event looking nice, a heck of a lot better than it looks like if you use the snare agent, although we don't mind if you do that. It's just use Splunk and it looks really pretty, but you'll see like these different blocks of info in there and you'll see information, like you'll see this account name field, but you'll actually see it twice and it's because... Windows actually records not only the account name that did the login, but the account name of the service that actually ran to execute the login. And of course, oh. we're just trying to pick up a multi-value field like we should, and it just turns out that this is a weird situation that was particularly well, annoying. Yeah, and I know the, the best part of it, I think, of all was the fact that it had already been indexed to data from all these different Windows OSs and the different formats and everything. And then Splunk was able to, even after the fact, we were able to use these simple two other little things here before the transaction and still get what we needed in a matter of like, you know, 40 minutes, 30 minutes of work. And so that was pretty cool. As most most people that are listening probably already know this, but if you're new to Splunk, that's that's a that's a great benefit to be able to just say you're not stuck. You will figure out a way to get it to work, and I love that being confident like that. You know, personally. yeah. There's just it's it's crazy because like, you know, I was talking to somebody on the phone prior to this. This guy does this like insane mobile location awareness stuff, and. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I was like, the reason why I'm so excited about Splunk after five and a half years is because it's such a cool product and lets me do, as a nerd, lets me do so many really cool things. Um, <laughs> and uh, there really isn't too much. I mean, you talk to people at Splunk, if they've been around for a little while. Mm -hmm. They could pretty much say, uh, yeah, we can do that. They might not know exactly how, but most of the problems people bring us, we, you know, we solve pretty quickly yeah big data or yeah. small data middle data yeah. doesn't matter right it's like uh um there's just, as long as it's data there's two other things so here's a tidbit for you okay, okay nerd nerd spunk nerds so uh you might have dealt with this maverick but have you ever done a field extraction and then tried to search on the field value and you found no results like, for example, your account name field. Mm -hmm. Say you take your account name field. Your account name field is called mwild. But you want to make a brand new field. Maybe the field is called last name. So now okay. you have, so you, you go and you write your little regex and you, you pull out wild. Okay. Right? And you type in the, you say last name equals wild and Splunk comes back with zero results. You ever seen that? I have. I have seen that. Do you know why that is? Um... 
I have ideas, but I'm not sure. Um, I know. I know why. Is it is it a pre-post uh, no, extraction thing? It's not. It's an interesting anecdotal detail to help people understand a little bit more about Splunk. Okay. okay. So, um, when you ever you've done type ahead, right? And you start typing, mm-hmm. right? Everything in type ahead is what we call a token in Splunk. Okay. So when we index your data, when the product indexes your data shouldn't say we because there's a difference between people, a Splunk and company or, and software. But when Splunk, the product indexes your data, it does all this timestamp magic, but it, it, it tokenizes everything in your event. Example, okay. creates a token out of 10.1.1.1. That string becomes a token that we just, it's in the index. You can search on it. Right. 10.1.1 is... 10.1 is, and so is 10, right? So we'll tokenize as much as we can, especially where there are line breaks, where there are breaks. Um, we, when we tokenize uh, the account name, which is going to be mwild, we're going to create one token for mwild. Now, when you actually do a search, okay? So when you do a search on, um, on some events and you say the field name uh, let's say field name or let's say account name equals wild. Okay. One of the things it's actually going to do is it's going to use just the text wild and it's going to submit that text back to the, um, uh, it's going to submit the text to the search engine, retrieve any event that has the word wild in it and then see if the field extraction is already done for account name and then see if there's a value there for wild. Okay, so it's going to, it's actually doing what you think it's doing. You think it's acting like a database in that point in time by just normally accessing a table where wild exists, but it's actually being a free text search engine before it becomes a little database. So wait a second, why (laughs) can't it find wild? Because wild is not a token. M wild is the actual token. So the phrase mwild oh, okay. the phrase mwild is actually in the event. But wild is not. So how do I then make it so um, I can have the last name field which is wild and well, still search on it, okay? Uh, put a star maybe or something or Well, uh, you know, like a wild card or Well, in this case, um, I, I still want to have the last name as wild, but I want to be able to say, you know, or failed password, uh, last name equals wild. Right. Okay. So what you can do, there is a file called fields.conf, okay? And if you go into fields.conf, you do your field extraction that pulls out wild and pulls out the last name, however you're going to do it, whatever it is. This is only a challenge if you are capturing data from the middle of a token and or a part of a token and again a token is probably going to be basically a word with not separated by anything right so if you go into fields.conf and you type in make a stanza for the field name let's say the field name is called last name and then you just say indexed underscore value equals false okay if you mm-hmm. do that and hit save and rerun your search then you can say last name equals wild and boom, it'll work. And I think what Splunk ends up doing, it probably creates a little wild card in there when it goes to do the very first free text search and then it does yeah. the field-based search. So um, it, 
it, that's pretty cool. It was mildly annoying because I wished it just worked, but I understand why. And that's really what we try to do here on Splunk Talk is give people an understanding of how and why things work and so you can make better decisions. So I have an understanding for you, Maverick. An understanding? What okay. does that mean? So check. Here's something that I learned. Here's my learn this week. Okay. Um, all right. So I'm doing sub searches. Mm-hmm. This just happened to be in the same scenario that I just learned that whole tokenizing field thing. Okay, the okay. same exact pile of events. Okay. Um, a twofer. It's a twofer. It, well, it just happened to be, you know, same, same events. But uh, it's regardless. Um, I'm going to switch over a different use case so people can understand it a little bit better. But let's say I want to know, uh, maybe on Unix... I want to know all the processes that were executed or ran by anyone that's failed login more than 50 times. Mm. Okay? So what okay. I do first, first I find all the people who have failed login more than 50 times. Right. Right? That's pretty easy. How do how we do that? Uh, well, I guess uh, searching for failed logins by user and mm -hmm. then doing a stats count by user. Yeah, and maybe like where count is greater than 50. Yeah, well, at the end, yeah, sure. after right. you get the you get the count first, and then yeah. So okay. I got that, but I really want to again just find out the answer to the second question was uh, what users were doing that failed login more than fifty times. So, like Maverick said, that particular search we can use that really quick, really cool. We can call that a sub search, okay? Oh yeah, sub search. So yeah. If you go in front of Maverick search before you type the words failed password, and just type the word search, and then you put brackets around the whole thing. Um, by the what, way, let me back up. What, what kind of brackets? Yeah. Uh, square brackets. Okay. Well, so square we'll put brackets. square brackets, search, failed password, pipe it to stats, count by user, user, pipe it to where count where, is greater where, than 50. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, um, what we really want is the username. So if you pipe that back to fields user that we're just going to get back one user or a list of users, you put that thing in square brackets and that's called an inner search. And then outside of that, or before it, you put in a search that would look for something like the processes. Like, for example, source type equals top. You put source type equals top, and then you just and then you put your sub-search after it and hit enter. Boom. Yeah. And it will go ahead and figure out, first it will run the inner search to figure out the users have failed more than 50 times. And then it will add that to the end of the first search, and now you'll see... Um, you will see uh, the users that have uh, ran processes that have failed login more than 50 times. But in my case, I, uh, I was doing that search, source type equals top, and I was piping it to a, f a search command called multi-KV, right? Mm -hmm. Keeping with your multi-value field thing from earlier. Okay. Now, multi-KV is going to take tabular data and split it up to single events, really. If you think about top, top is a table, and it has a whole bunch of processes separated by user and what they're doing. Right. So Splunk will split that up. So boom, multi-KV. Now I have a timestamp. I can tell processes used by root, and it was, uh, you know, uh, Apache. And then I take the subsearch and put it at the end, and Splunk goes, eh, it doesn't work. <laughs> because, and what I found out is... Um, subsearch can only be used as an argument to search. 
Okay. 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 You, you yeah, cannot, well, yeah, because right. I could probably. I'm going to comment on that after you're done, because yeah, that's totally. You can't put it at the end of a search command, like that's right. pipe okay. it to eval, pipe it to time chart, pipe it to yeah, da 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 da. Right, right, right. So what I actually did was um, at the end of my multi KV, I just did another pipe it to search source type equals top. So I sort of like researched on it. Mm -hmm. And then put my sub search at the end, and it totally worked. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. So that's it was like a searching once, then I just searched again, and I jammed it at the end. And, and you know, honestly, I, I kind of feel like that's a documentation bug more than a product bug. So I'm going to try to see if I can fix that in the docs to just warn people because I had to learn trial and error, so... Yeah. Well, the only thing I was going to add to that, I mean, that's a, actually, that's pretty good. I wasn't even sure. I'm not sure I've even run across that. So I'm going to go try that actually. Now, um, the, uh, the other thing that I was thinking of when you were saying that is I've had, I've had cases where I needed to get different usernames to then sub as a sub search, like you're doing to be brought into the parent or outer search or what I call a parent search to then look for the processes that are associated with the names, but the conditions of getting the different usernames come from um different sources completely like they're not from the same one and and so if you try to do a correlation search like if you try to search across both of them in a sub search it get it can get kind of hairy so it's e so in some cases it's easier to just do two sub searches one in each type and then do a rename at the end of the field to of that you have to the same field that is norm so you normalize it basically to the mm -hmm. name that is in the outer search and you just put a boolean or between the two sub searches oh, so, oh, so you say so you do one you do one sub search or the other sub search put per, regular prints around that whole thing per, do you need to put oh so you put parens around you can. You don't have to, right. but just to, just logically, so you know right, that right. that to, when you look at it, that Splunk knows that these are the two things I'm oring, and then it'll they'll run separately, bring back their different name. And since you're doing a pipe to a rename at the very end, you rename your like when you do your fields, like you said, fields. Give me that one mm -hmm. field, then you rename the field to the same thing, because chances are, if you're searching two different source types, the fields physically is going to be extracted differently to a different name. One will sure. be user underscore name, one will be username, user, whatever. And you just call it my user, and then on the outer one, you rename it to my user right. or, or whatever, and then it and it will correlate it all, you know, and it'll do like what you're doing. But So that's another little tip on like, that I use quite a bit, just so I don't have to, even though I could probably do it in one big sub-search, it just simplifies it. And I love that. Just I want now, to keep it simple. <laughs> now, if you call me on this and you go to panda.splunk.com, Maverick, which is a server that we use, mm -hmm. the demo, and you do my scenario, what you'll find out is that the user field from failed passwords is in lowercase, and the user field from top is in uppercase. Ah. Those are not the same field, actually. They are different, user and uppercase and lowercase. So in my situation, I ended up in my sub-search, I just renamed the user field in uppercase, lowercase to uppercase, and it just worked fine. So. Well, you can also pipe to eval lower, too, and lower it with the lower command. Um, yeah, but that's for the value of a field. Oh, yeah, yeah but then, yeah, the you're right. Then it, then it would actually collaborate them. Yeah, you're right. Well, it's, it's not so much that... It, w it would be fine in that case, but it's just the field. It fe let's see, the real moral of the story is field names are actually case sensitive. So, Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, we got stuff coming up this year before we wrap up the episode. Um, That's right. Well, we got user conference September 9th through 13th. Where's that at? In Las Vegas, Nevada. Awesome. Nevada. 
with you. You gonna take you gonna take uh, your wife with you when you go this time or? Uh, depends. Because if I bring my wife, I gotta bring my kids. Well, then again, who knows? We'll see. Um, what I am bringing is my friends at Cirrus. Cirrus has an X I R R U S, and okay. Cirrus makes uh, wireless arrays. What's that? You know what a wireless array is? A wireless array. Instead of having a whole bunch of wireless access points hung off of one switch, right? They basically create this alien-looking disc that has a whole pile of them, all <laughs> built in, directionally focused, like tons of these little access points all in one, and they cover different areas. My friends at Cirrus are gonna actually gonna help us out by providing wireless to Splunk user conference, and you think we're gonna Splunk that data? <laughs> oh yeah, we are. Yeah, of course. Right. So we'll be able to get some, hopefully get some interesting things about, you know, where people are, activity that's happening. So you can, and then, you know, my goal is to actually take that and like project it on a wall somewhere. So everybody can kind of see, you know, that's whatever, cool. some info. It's sort of like trying to use Splunk at user conference about what's going on. So that's one thing I want to. That, that's very, very cool. And then maybe in the next episode, we could talk about a pen pipe command. I just learned about that one. but I um, saw but that in the search. I think we should. I want I to try that, it first but I want to learn talk it. about it. I want yeah, you to teach yeah. me about it. Well, I want to learn it, and then I'll teach it maybe the next time. Maybe that'll be kind of fun. So just a, a teaser. A pen pipe. Yeah, it looks interesting. A it looks interesting. Pipe. Yeah, a pen pipe. Which has right. nothing to do with other things you might do with a pipe. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. All right. So what do we say when we want people to reach we us? We say email us at splunktalk at splunk.com. Hit us up on facebook.com slash splunktalk. I don't think we have a Twitter account yet. Go to splunk.tv if you're interested in seeing the analytics on this podcast. Ooh. And as always, uh, we wish you a, a happy day. Thanks for hanging out with us. And uh, three, two, one. Happy Smoking.